we are doing uh, the final message in this series. We're doing the final message in this series, and um, we will look at another topic next week. But today, we are going to look at what I promised we're going to look at, oneness in marriage. If you want, you could call it the benefits of oneness in marriage. Amen. Uh, those of you who are worshiping with us for the very first time, I will uh, ask you that at the very end of the service, uh, you will come. I'll give you directions on where to go. I just want to pray with you and give you a, a, a hand of fellowship. And, uh, and, and in the meantime, I would like you to enjoy with us what the Lord has prepared at his table. Amen. Thank you. There are some faces that we haven't seen for a while. Welcome back to church. Uh, when you're not here, it's not the same. But uh, we thank God that you could be with us this morning. And also for our online audience, we praise the Lord that you could tune in as we look at this topic. The first week we did look at uh, the call to oneness. We looked at John chapter 17 from verse 20 to 26. And we saw uh, that Jesus really wants us to be one. Just like he is in the Father and the Father is in him, we have been <laughs> commanded, we've been implored, almost begged to be one in him just like he is in the Father. And that we should be one with each other. And that's all God wants. And we saw the reasons why that first and foremost, Jesus wants us to be where he is. And we saw that right now, Jesus is in heaven. He's preparing that place for you. And he's, as he was praying to the Father, this time he was on earth, he said, I want these ones that you have given me and the ones who believe in their word to be with me where I will be. Hallelujah. So at the very heartbeat of God is evangelism. At the very heartbeat of God is God's desire for us to win others so that they too will be with him. Just like we will be with Christ. Amen. And then uh, last week we looked at uh, the benefits of promoting oneness in Christ. And we did say that what you do not promote, you demote. If you don't promote oneness, you are demoting it. You are dividing. And he who does not gather with Christ is scattering. And that makes you <laughs> bullseye in terms of God's wrath. You don't want to be in that place. But when you gather with Jesus... You are on the right side. Hallelujah. And we did see that everything that we see, everything that you see around here will, will be burnt away. The book of Peter tells us, Second Peter tells us that everything will be burnt away with, with a fire. And God is going to establish a new heaven and a new earth. And in that new heaven and new earth, there is not going to be the sun because the glory of God will be a light. There's nothing God wants more than to be with his people in heaven. Everything that, the things that we are busy with on this planet, they will go, they will end. So you're trying to say, oh no, like, like Pastor John Hagee said one time, he said, when you start moving your money from, from, from bank A to bank Z, bank Z, as, as they say it in, in America, it's not Z, it's Z. He said, you, you, bank, you, you move your money from bank A to bank Z because there's a reception, reception. It's the same thing as moving the deck chairs on the Titanic. The thing is going to sink anyway. Everything you see is going to go. And, and like Pastor McDuff says, 
the only things you will take with you after this life are the spiritual things. And the Bible tells us that heaven and earth will pass away. But this word will never pass away. The word of God will never pass away. So it is wise to invest in what will last. Are we saying don't build houses? Uh -uh, that's, that's not what we're saying. And some people say, oh no, in that case, then we should not marry. Uh -uh, that's not what. Carry on with life the way it, it's supposed to carry on. But just invest in the things of eternity. The things that last. Hallelujah. So, today, we are looking at oneness in marriage. The bottom line, if you don't remember anything, is this. That oneness in marriage has, has amazing benefits for you. And those benefits are from God. We, we will look at the details later on. But I, 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 I was thinking, I said, you know, either marriage is a joke that it is made out to be, or someone is stealing from us. Either marriage is a joke that it is being made out to be, or someone is stealing from us. Because when you look at history, especially in the recent history, after the, 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 the year 1949, after the Second World War, marriage just has become under a sustained and multifaceted attack. Marriage is made to be the brunt of many jokes. Many jokes. That seem to suggest that marriage is a joke. Marriage is a waste of time. Marriage is, you don't need it. There are songs to that effect. There are some that pervert the whole idea of marriage. There are books. There are TV shows. That seem to suggest that marriage is not needed. You don't need to go even through three channels to find this out. For some, the message is that marriage doesn't work. For some, the message is that if you're in marriage, it's, it's, it's problem after problem after problem after problem. And sure enough, yes, there are problems in marriage, but none that God cannot solve. There are whole TV shows named after cheating husbands and cheating wives and they're hiring private investigators and so on. You sit there and you watch those things day in, day out. Trust me, your marriage will be in trouble. If you're not married, but you're building foundations, that will take you where it will, it will not work. Because the values you're taking in passively are not the ones that make marriage last. Movies. There are movies that you actually see that this movie is against marriage as instituted by God. And we're taking them in passively. We, we think it's okay. Oh, this one is rated 16. It's okay. But you look at the story, totally against the whole idea of marriage. And we're taking them in subconsciously. Subconsciously. And you know the way they advertise some of the, these, these upcoming shows and upcoming movies. It, it can be a documentary, but the way they do the trailers, you can pay 10,000 kwacha, you. Just because of the way the trailers have been done. 
they will make you sit there and bombard your head, your subconscious with these messages that when you finally get in there, you realize, huh, were they lying? But the idea is, the thing is, you have been planting these things all along. So one of the most precious components of marriage has also been attacked, and that is the gift of sex. This one has probably been the most perverted, the most misrepresented, and downright battered. But here's the interesting thing. Let's, let's, let's put the Bible aside for now. I'll settle this later. This one is being disobedient. <laughs> but there's a group of social scientists who found 27 reasons for the case of marriage. Not even the Bible. They just sat down and each one independently doing one research or, or after another looking into marriage. And they found 27 reasons why marriage is important. 27. From the social sciences, not even from the Bible. They, I, I, I've just listed five of the 27. But the question they asked is, does it matter if couples stay married? Should you even be desiring to get married if you're not married? Okay. And uh, th th these are five of their findings. Number one, marriage increases the likelihood that fathers and mothers have good relationships with their children. This is social science data. This is not some verse telling us that. This is social science. Remember that, okay? Number two, cohabitation is not the same as marriage. Cohabiting couples, on average, are less committed, less faithful, and more likely to break up than married couples. You do a Google search on, on the effects of cohabitation before marriage. You, you look at what it says and you would wonder why people still want to go that route. Sin increases the likelihood that children themselves will divorce or become unwed parents. It increases the likelihood. And, and I know because, as I've told you before, I come from a background where my parents separated. Okay, technically it wasn't a divorce, but they separated for 11 years before my father passed on. It does things to the children. And no matter how well-intentioned you may be and say, I don't want to end up like my parents, the truth is you go down that route, save for the grace of the Lord. So there is hope. If you're separated, if you're divorced, there is hope. If you're growing up as a child in, 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 a, in a situation like that, there is hope. You're, you're looking at a testimony. Number four. In almost every known human society, marriage exists as a way of regulating the reproduction of children, families, and society. What are they saying? They are saying marriage is the very core, basic unit of a society. If it goes well in marriage, it will go well everywhere else from there. And that's just what God established. But this is social science attesting to the word of God. Number five. 
Marriage typically fosters better romantic and parental relationships compared to other family forms, such as cohabitation. We've already said it. Individuals who have a firm commitment to marriage as an ideal are more likely to invest themselves in their marriage and to enjoy happier marriages. Keyword, invest. Marriage is an investment. You reap what you sow. And if you want this, I want you to go to www.familyscholars.org. That's where I got this info. But it was just fascinating to me that what the word of God has always said, now social science is catching up. Just like that astronaut went up and uh, they were on their way to the moon. I forgot which Apollo it was. But on their way back, this astronaut looked at the earth in the, in, in the window and he said, there's got to be God somewhere. There's no way a whole planet will just be spinning in the middle of nothingness and not take off on a tangent towards the sun. He said, there's got to be a God somewhere. Uh, no, they don't report that in, in mainstream media. But one of them said it. He said, the, the, the earth starts at a certain angle. It's just not an accident that is at that angle. A few degrees left and we're all toast. A few degrees right and we are all ice. It's just perfect. But when you go to the book of Colossians or Ephesians, it tells us in everything, Christ holds everything together. There are so many facets of science, different types of studies that men and women are doing that are coming back to the word of God and saying, this is true. How does David know that there are springs of fresh water in the deep oceans? They didn't have submarines back then. About 20 years ago, they discovered in the Atlantic, the Pacific Ocean, that there are springs of fresh water down there. How? God said it all along. Inspired David to write it. Took another 4,000 years for science to catch up. So whatever God has said about oneness in marriage, the social scientists are catching up with it now. The psychologists who have studied, they're all so popular. And if, please, if you have this on, on your Facebook profile, go and remove it. Don't say relationship, open marriage, and I'll tell you why. It's not even in the Bible. It's what psychologists have discovered. The psychiatrists, rather, not psychologists. The psychiatrists have discovered that those who are in open marriages usually, usually have a tendency of having mental, uh, what's, this, what's the catch word now these days? Mental illness? Mental? Yes. They have a tendency to move towards mental illness. Because of open marriages. It says because man and woman are, are, are wired to be in a committed relationship. Where it is you and it is me married full stop. A third person comes in, sparks fly. So even psychiatry is telling us that. So why is it that the rest of the world is beating down on something that is so beneficial to us? Why? God said that marriage was good. In verse 22 of Proverbs 18, the Bible says that he who finds a wife 
finds what is good and receives favor from God. So who is cooking up all this antagonism against the institution of marriage and why? There's a reason to this madness. To understand that, we need to go to the beginning. Let's go to the book of Matthew chapter 19. Where Jesus will go to the beginning. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 19 verse 3. Some Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? Because back then, if my wife has too much salt in the food, I could divorce her. You must understand, that was what was happening among the Hebrews. That's why they say for any and every reason. Verse 4, Jesus replies and says, haven't you read that at the beginning the creator made them male and female and said for this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Why then, they asked them, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away? Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. The disciples said to him, if this is the situation between a husband and wife, it is better not to marry. Jesus replied, not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they were born that way. Others were made that way by men. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept this. Paraphrase, it's not for everybody. Okay? That's why when, when, when a man and a woman stand here, one of the questions they are asked is, are you making this decision soberly? Have you thought about it? Are you sure of the commitment you are about to make to this woman or to this man? You just don't fall in love or you fall, you get hurt. Think. Pray. Ask for counsel. Because red flags come up. Sometimes green flags come up. But it takes others to see your situation from a vantage point as an observer who's objective, who's working with the Lord. So when we say, when you find a guy or a girl, tell us, we'll begin to pray because we wish you the best. We really do. We do. <laughs> I, ho I hope you hear it. I, ho I hope you hear it. This, this subject is so close to my heart. I, I hope I will not poach you again about it. But I'm, I'm speaking from to you. And of course to me as well. This, this is a challenge. But there are some things that we need to look at when it comes to one marriage. Why we should be promoting oneness in marriage. And please make sure that you know we have got different experiences represented in this room. Um uh, God will, will speak with you.
according to his word. Don't lose hope. There are certain elements we need to understand if we are to promote oneness in marriage. While everybody is saying zig, we are going to say zag. And it was going to say marriage is the thing. No matter where you have been, we are going to say marriage is the thing. No matter what they are telling us, we are going to say marriage is the thing. We need to promote marriage. Because if we don't, we will be demoting it. And, and, and the enemy will have a heyday. And what we pass on to the next generation will not help our children. Will not help those that come after us to enjoy what God has blessed us with. So number one, in verse four, Jesus says, haven't you read that at the beginning, the creator made the male and female? I want you to understand, point number one is that there is a creator who started all things. Marriage was not an idea by different societies in different parts of the world. And say, oh, we're going to have this thing and then we're going to have children and then our, 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 our communities are going to grow. No, it was God who started it. Jesus does not say in the beginning God <laughs> made them. He specifically uses the word create. Now, if you know anything about creation, it is not easy. When you are creating something, it is not something that is done at the drop of a hat. You think about what you want to end up having. Every time I see people baking, it's, it's amazing. People say, they come and they say, I want a cake. And that cake, I, I know there's a cake, we, we need to do that cake this year. It, it will be a Bible cake, if you remember. So I don't know about you, but I've been thinking, what is it going to look like? What will it say? There are cakes that are a whole flower, but it's a cake. There are cakes which, which have uh, uh, a Chelsea t-shirt. You see them, and you say to yourself, what did it take for the person to create this cake? I saw a cake that was the shape of a DJ console. It was, it was the birthday of a DJ. I've seen cakes that are a soccer ball, golf. It's, it's amazing. Creation is serious business. So Jesus says, there's a creator who started marriage. He made them male and female. In his mind, he made them male and female. And he was going somewhere with this. We shall see why later on. Anyone who defines marriage in any other way other than male and female, please disregard. Don't promote that. Hallelujah. Don't. If you are adopting marriage in any other way other than male and female, you are spitting in God's face. Ask Miriam what happened when she did that. It was leprosy seven days. The whole Israelite community couldn't move until her issue was sorted. Someone said that God created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Or Hannah and Eve. You get the point. God has shown us in history that once we mess up the order of man getting married, marrying a woman, things don't end well. Sodom and Gomorrah is a testimony. And other places in recent, in recent history as well. The moment you mess up God's order, you're in trouble. 
Someone always gets hurt. And then in verse 5, the Bible says, For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. In the book of Genesis chapter 22, verse 22, actually, let's, let's read them. Genesis chapter 2, verse 22. I want you to see this, this principle. Oh, may God help us <laughs> to promote marriage God's way. So, there's no suitable helper for Adam, and God has made him sleep and does the first surgery ever. But this surgery was not to remove any malignant tumor or whatnot. It was to make a woman. And when he makes the woman, he closes up that, uh, that place. And verse 22 says something very interesting. It says, then the Lord... God made woman from the rib he had taken out of the man and he brought her to the man. God is involved in the creation. God is involved in bringing together the first marriage. He brought them together. It was he who did that. So listen, you better be sure of your dear future husband or dear future wife that it is God bringing him to you. Or her to you. Which is why it is important to be one with God. Because you will be able to tell that mm, this one, we just, we just good acquaintances. <laughs> Amen? Yeah, we, we work together. We go to the same church, but uh, I, I don't. God will present, but you have to make a decision and say, God, help me. When I thought I was ready for marriage, I began to pray, and all of a sudden, you know, I had a little criteria, she's going to be like this and like that, and all of a sudden, I eliminated a lot of the sisters we had on campus, really nice people, but according to my criteria, I just knocked out a whole lot and came down to, to a few, and even those few, there were others, I'd go, this, this one, we just, yeah, we've done some things together, but, you know, that's, a, you don't, you, yeah, okay, you know? <laughs> And you're praying and you're saying, God, and you're asking people, trusted friends and family, and you say, you know, this is what I'm thinking, and so on and on. And, and, and someone said, you know, but there's this girl. Have you thought? Maybe you should pray. And so on. And all of a sudden, there was like, mm -hmm. I remember there was a friend who asked me a question. They asked me a question. They said, what if she's not the one? And I said, I'll squarely blame God for it. I have an amen. This is the one. Uh, make no mistake, it was not an easy road. I was booted out once because I was being very impatient. Forget we ever had this conversation. <laughs> I had to humble myself and go back and say, you know, I, I'm sorry. The rest, as they say, is history. But God does bring the right people. And if you are one with him, he will lead you. He will guide you. So when pastor says, uh, I really don't have a, a man in my heart that we should pursue this man. They mean well. Or if you're talking to somebody in the church, somebody who's mature, somebody who's, when they talk with you, 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 you better think two or three times and say, do they mean well or they just don't want me to, to enjoy what they enjoy? Verse 6, 
he says, So they are no longer two, but one. That word again. Therefore, what God has joined to go together, let man not separate. The reason God has put us in marriage, he, he wants this permanent. Yes, things have happened. For others, this has not been a nice story. It doesn't have a nice ending. With a lot of hurt. But the original picture is that we are supposed to stay in this until death parts us. That's the original picture. Amen? The idea is you should be one. Operate as a unit. One. And God has a reason for that. Nobody should separate what God has put together. Not even I should separate this. You understand? As a husband, I should not do or be things that separate our marriage. Because God did not qualify. He just said what he has joined, let man not separate. And man in there, by the way, is male, female, man. Okay? Let's not go the gender route. Very clear. The woman should not. You, in other words, think differently. Promote oneness in marriage. Don't split it. Because what God has glued together, anything you glue together, if you want to separate it, there will be tearing. There will be pain. So we can see that in God's heart, in God's intention, this is meant to be a blessing. Let's promote that. Amen? If it hasn't worked well for us, at least for our children coming after us, let's teach these things. Let's still promote these things. Amen? So I told you where I grew up, but my mother, uh, especially after she came to know the Lord, uh, the first girl that I presented to her and said, this is the one. She didn't meet her for more than 20 minutes and then she left. When I came back, she said, you know that, that girl, that young woman? No. I was like, mom, you've just met her for 20 minutes. And you're saying no? She said, no. I, I don't know, but no, she's not the one. True enough, two years later, we split up. That's where I made those foolish vows of saying, God, it's just me and you and school, no women. It was because of that one. So a few years later, I started going out with my wife. And uh, I remember one time I was sick. And uh, she came to visit. And uh, uh, those days we used to have raspberry juice. You remember that one? Raspberry juice. So she brought raspberry juice. And, uh, and, and she chatted, and my mom was there, and so on. Barely, she didn't stay for more than an hour, I think. And then I, I escorted her. And um, my, my nephew started calling her, and the auntie who brings red juice. That was her name. Um, but after I came back from, from escorting her, my mom says, so when is the wedding? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, mom, um, you've just met her, and she's in third year in college. You, she says, no, but wait, you need to start planning. This, this is the one. I was like, how do you know? You've never seen this woman before. She just said, when is the wedding? Just tell me. 
And I was like, I'll let you know. You know? But what is a, a separated woman doing promoting marriage to me? You see that? I think that's what we need to be wherever we have been, whatever has happened to us. This is a, a God thing. Let's promote it. Hallelujah. Second thing we are seeing is uh, the purpose of oneness in marriage. Now, for this one, we'll go back and forth. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible does tell us that God made man male and female because we are made in his image. There is something in there that Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 uh, calls the mystery. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23. If you turn with me there. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 23. The Bible is, is amazing. But in verse 23, the Bible says that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, in what way? The same way. Husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church. Just as Christ does the church. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Listen, after describing the marriage relationship, Paul says, However, I'm talking about the church and Christ. Excuse me? You've just been saying, husband, love your wife, and, and the wife, do this. Then, and then at the end of it, he says, but I'm, not, I'm talking about Christ and the church. It's a mystery. But the mystery is wrapped up in this. Genesis 1, 27, when God said he made man, male and female, and because he wants his image to be reflected in the marriage relationship. You build a marriage that is following this pattern and for sure, people will start thinking about God. People will start saying, hey, this marriage. People will watch you and they will expect you to lead them to God. The oneness that Jesus talked about in John chapter 20, up all the, John 17 verse 20 to 26 the oneness that Jesus is in the Father and the Father in, is in him and he wants us to be in him, to, to share in that oneness. That one, it goes deeper than that because he wants it in marriage too. Easier said than done. Sometimes I miss it. But I am into my wife. I love watching her. I've learned to study her, what she likes, what she doesn't like, and so on. And she too does that to me. Uh, do, do we argue? Oh, yeah. yeah. We have differences of opinion. What someone called intensive moments of fellowship. 
But the oneness we've been building over the years, there's a depth to it. If you were here yesterday, you remember the, the word depth. There's a depth to it. There, these days, I'll crack a joke on my wife, which I wouldn't have dared five years ago. I would not have dared. Oneness. You have a depth. There are times she will say something to me and then you say, oh, I'm sorry, was that too sensitive? Because I used to be really, really sensitive. Really sensitive. Any joke and you are attacking me. But, <laughs> but these days, these days I, I let it fly by and we laugh about things. Oneness. Amen? Let's celebrate the small victories. Sometimes we're so taken up with what should be and we miss what God has just accomplished here. Enjoy the journey. Amen? This oneness, amazingly, is not just one flesh only. Let's go to Malachi chapter 2. And no, this time I'm not talking about tithes. This, this is about marriage. But in Malachi chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible says, you ask why. Okay, uh, let me put it in context. Let's start from verse 13. God is accusing the Israelites. He said, another thing you do, you flood the Lord's altar with tears. You weep and wail because he no longer pays attention to your offerings or accepts them with pleasure from your hands. You ask why. Is it because? It is because the Lord is acting as a witness between you and the wife of your youth. Because you have broken faith with her. Though she is your partner, your wife, the wife of your marriage covenant. It's not a contract. It's not an arrangement. It's a covenant. A covenant is far much deeper than a contract. Blood is shed in a covenant. It's a much deeper commitment. Verse 15. Has the Lord... Made, has not the Lord made them one? In flesh and spirit, they are his. So, when you marry a woman before the Lord, in flesh and in spirit, you belong to the Lord. That is why fornication is a no, 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 no go. No, but uh, I know he's married, but this one is my blesser too. Ah, uh ah, -uh, it's sin. Don't say he's your blesser, he's your cursor. If they're married. Let's break some things right now. Let's promote marriage. Hallelujah. This thing of blesser, 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 it, it's not right. It's sin. No, I have a blesser who handles the rent. I have the blesser who handles whatnot. I have the blesser who handles, who handles the DSTV. Look, the, the issue is you are being a hallowed. That's not something to be proud of. You, you are a harlot. The difference with you is that maybe you are driving and whatnot, but really, you are like the ones at Bandiro or Lirongo Hotel. Same, same. Let's do it God's way. The one who is going to bless you is the one you will say, I do to. The one you are going to, who is going to bless you, the one who is going to bless you, that woman is the one you say I do to. And you stay committed to that one. And in time you see what you would have planted will fly. 
You, you're married for less than five years. You think that's love. Wait. Keep working on it. By the time you're at ten, you're seasoned. <laughs> because the way you used to love each other at two years in marriage changes at some point. Th th that game plan doesn't work anymore. You need to change the way you see things, the way you see each other and so on. Things changed when I learned that, you know what? The truth is, her eternity depends on me. The way I treat her matters to God. Matters for her eternity. This one is a child of God. So I better treat her like a child of God. It changes everything. At first, all I was thinking about was get my clear holiday. And, you know. It got us going. But at some point, you need to have some depth to it. So why, 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 why has God done that? It's because he wants us to be one in spirit and one in flesh. You're seeing the same things. Your motivations are the similar. You are working on some things together. And why together? Because it glorifies God. By the end of the day, it's all about evangelism. We shall see later on the case of Priscilla and Aquila. Why should we promote the purpose of marriage? is to produce and train godly children. Hallelujah. Godly children. And it's very interesting. When I saw this, I, I went, okay. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Especially verse 15. Has not the Lord made them one in flesh and spirit? They are his. And why one? Because he was seeking godly offspring. So he says, guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith with the wife of your youth. I hate divorce, says the Lord God of Israel. I hate a man's covering himself with violence as, as with a, his government, says the Lord Almighty. So guard yourself in your spirit and do not break faith. God wants the children born in our families to be godly. They will be challenged to to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to train them to live holy lives, to live righteous lives, because it doesn't make sense to just have children to send to hell. It doesn't. God says, I want your children to be godly. So the training of your children is not the responsibility of the church. The training of your children is for you, parents. And God expects you, parents, to train them in godly ways. What we do with the king's kids and the teens and the royals is just additional. A support system. Hallelujah. But the responsibility to train out the children is on us. God is looking for godly children godly offspring. Why? Because he wants the next generation to declare his praises as well. He wants the next generation to be involved in getting people into heaven through Jesus Christ. So CBBs will not do as a babysitter. Are we together? SpongeBob doesn't do a good job either. But these are the values we're exposing to our children day in, day out, and we're hoping they'll turn out godly. Parenting is not for cowards. 
there are times you have to stand up and you say no. And your no means no. No matter what, a tantrum, what tantrum they throw, but your no remains no. Because our kids these days, they are master manipulators. Did you know that? This is amazing. I still remember this incident at ShopRite in town. This lady had walked out of ShopRite with some uh, shopping and she was going to the car and this, this little toddler back here she was, he was throwing a tantrum hey mommy I wanted whatever toy that it was. I want this toy and he threw himself on the ground and he was rolling and, and people were looking at her and I was in the car looking at the entrance to shop right. I think she had gone in to, to, to get something and, and I, was, I was just watching this drama unfold. The mother and I salute that mother up to this day. She just walked like nothing was happening, got to her car, opened the boot, loaded her the stuff she had bought, closed it, she went to the door and she asked him, are you coming? <laughs> and all of a sudden the little boy gets up, but I still want my toy. <laughs> she wasn't going to bouge and I said, yes, No is a perfectly good answer to some of the things our children ask us of. But you know what? I answer to God on how I bring them up. It hasn't been easy. I've had to do a lot of adjustments. Sometimes my wife will say, you know, you're dropping the ball. I need you as the father of these children too. Now, if there's no oneness and your wife is telling you that, and if there's no humility to take in what your wife is telling you, and you know the truth that I'm at fault, things will not work. So God wants us to produce and to train godly offspring. So the children in, in KICC, you have no choice. These parents, they're driving you to hell. We, not, not to hell, to, to heaven, sorry. These parents are driving you to heaven. We will pray for you. We will pray with you. We will study scripture with you. We will bring you to royals. We will bring you to king's kids. We will ask you to, to, to be in the CHFs and learn the word of God for yourself. Because God has mandated us to raise you up as godly children. By the end of the day, we are going to say, God, I did my job. If you rebel, you will answer to him. Oh, please edit that. We are not driving into hell. That was a mistake. A slip of the tongue. But I can tell you, there is no one who has dared to trust God who is yet to be disappointed with God. Nobody. Children. By the end of the day, marriage is about evangelism. Start with your children. <laughs> Remember Aquila and Priscilla? Acts chapter 18, verse 22. Powerful couple teaching the word of God in their home. How is it going in your home? Children do much better when they have loving parents who live together in love. In the USA, they did a poll and, and scientists also, they have discovered 
that the majority of offenders in prison grew up in homes with absent fathers or actively absent fathers. Fathers who are just not there. There are others who are there, but they are not there. They're in the home, but discipline is something the wife does. Oh, daddy, Joe did this to me. Oh, go talk to your mother. You're actively absent. Oh, but we need to be praying. Ah, don't we send them to Sunday school? You're actively absent. Fathers, this one is on you. Without the leadership of a father, things fall apart. There's a reason God gave us the leadership of families. It holds everything together. Women are very receptive to spiritual things. But for the fathers, I, this one we have to understand there's a real enemy. We'll look at it later on. But the other thing is that the purpose of marriage is to provide uh, companionship. Marriage is there to glorify God, produce and train godly children, and then also to provide companionship. In Genesis chapter 2 verse 18, the Bible clearly states that when God saw that man was alone, it was not good. So that's where he goes into that surgery where he comes out with a woman. Because he knew that Adam needed a companion. As you grow, you realize that really, probably the best friend you'll ever have is your husband. I think I'm going there now. I have friends, male friends. But my wife, it's another level. It's, it's, it's good to grow old together. <laughs> Amen? So those are the three purposes of marriage. But I want us to look at the third point. There is a real enemy who does not want marriage to succeed. There's a real enemy who does not want marriage to succeed. Remember, Satan has been there. He was in heaven and he was not content with leading worship. Bible says that the guy had pipes, backpipes coming out of him and he, he was praise and worship. <laughs> but look, look at Isaiah, I think it's 14 or is it 28? And Ezekiel as well, the, the related uh, this, uh, chapter as well, 14. But he came, there came a point where he says, I want God's seat. This is not enough. And God expelled him out of heaven with a third of the angels. I don't know how many angels there are, but he managed to convince a third of God's angels, who we now call demons. Now, there may be too many, but I just know that Basic maths, two-thirds is a whole lot better than one-third. Okay? And Satan, when he was cast out of heaven, he has since been looking for opportunities to destroy and thwart God's purposes. So, as soon as Adam and Eve are created and they're put in the garden, he shows up in chapter 3. Sin comes in. The oneness God wanted for Adam and Eve is already affected. By chapter 4, he has already done the first homicide. One of the brothers is dead. Killed by his own brother. 
So I, I'm just saying there's a real enemy. When God says that the, your seed shall bruise the serpent, the head of the serpent, already you can see that Satan is up against the family as the first institution that God established. So down the ages, he has employed different means to destroy the family, including, but not limited to, false teachings. There have been amazing false teachings about marriage, including the forbidding of marriage, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. There were people teaching that marriage is forbidden. Then there are those who say, this one will marry this one, especially in the cults. We have seen that usually cult leaders are, are sexual perverts. Almost every cult you look into, the leaders are sexual perverts. And they destroy people's minds. Why? Why is Satan keep on hitting at marriage? In war, you do not attack useless targets. If you are at war with another country, you take out their power supply, you take out their food reserves, you take out the infrastructure like bridges, airports. Why? Because those are important. You know if your enemy has those, they have an upper hand over us. So that's what Satan is doing. He keeps attacking marriage because he knows this is explosive. Once they get this thing together, we're in trouble. But there is hope. James chapter 4 verse 7 to 8. The Bible tells us to submit ourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Hallelujah. As we submit ourselves to God and resist the devil, he will flee from us. Being one with God is the only ticket out for our marriages. The husband needs to be one with God through Jesus Christ. The wife needs to be one with God through Jesus Christ. Together we are one and we are busy pursuing the purposes of marriage, including evangelism. Raising of godly children, companionship, and we'll see the enemy begin to be defeated. Hallelujah. Why promote oneness in marriage? Why should we promote oneness in marriage? Number one, and this, these are all based, uh, we'll, be, we'll be basing them on Matthew 19, but we'll also go to other scriptures. Why you should promote oneness in marriage is that it teaches you humility before God. If you are proud and you are married, you are in trouble. I have stories about me on that one. But time is against us. If you are proud and you are married, things will not work. Verse 8 of Matthew 19, the Bible says, Jesus replied, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard. But it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for married unfaithfulness and marries another woman commits adultery. So in any breakup, this is what I've observed, in any breakup of a marriage, either one or both spouses are too proud to be or to do what it takes for marriage to succeed. Either one of you 
or both of you are too proud to become or to do what it takes for marriage to succeed. Because Jesus points down, he gets down to the reason of why divorces happen. Why there are so many breakups. He says, Moses permitted you divorce because your hearts were hard. Hard hearts. You know hard hearts. You tell the guy, look, your wife is saying these are the things. She just needs you to be this. The guy says, no. She is the problem. Then there are cases where he doesn't want to let go of their viewpoint. She doesn't want to let go of their viewpoint. Boom. Separation begins. Humility for your spouse. Amen. And it's amazing the things that tick you off. Eh? We're driving and my wife says, why, why did you go this way? It's shorter this way. I decided. Because you don't, you don't want to acknowledge that she's right. <laughs> it comes in the smallest of packages, these things. You know? But I, 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 I urge you, I implore you, be humble with one another. Submit one to another. Look at the other side. It has happened to some of us. Oh, I've seen this business opportunity. It only takes so much money. We are going to go into it. And she goes, with who? Oh, there's this guy. And she goes, but honey, I don't know. I don't know this person, but I, uh, I just don't feel. We're not talking feelings. We're talking of proven business opportunity. And we have gone. And we have burnt our fingers. And we have had to humble ourselves and say, um, it didn't work. Back in the days when she was also having issues with pride, she would say, Nanena. I told you, you wouldn't want to listen. These days, ah, God, God is doing a work in us, I think. She goes, ah, it's okay. God will take us through. And I know this one is working on making me feel good. <laughs> Humility. First Peter 5 verse 5 says, In the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, clothe yourself with humility so towards one another. Because God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Other, other versions say, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It starts in your marriage. Why should you promote marriage? You get a lot more done when you, you get a lot more done than when you go it alone. Marriage is a powerful team. It's a powerful team. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work, for their labor. 
the, the maths in the Bible, because it's spiritual, it's amazing. It says one will chase a thousand, two will chase ten thousand. Do the maths. Me, I'm, I'm an English teacher, so do the maths, help me. How does one chase one thousand? Two should have been chasing two thousand, right? No, according to God, two chase ten thousand. What percentage of increase is that? One, nine thousand, ten thousand. But that's a whole lot more. In verse 12 of the same uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You stand together better as a team. And these, are, these things apply to the church, by the way. They apply to any unit you can think of, but it starts with marriage. There are times when you, you are so done, and it's your partner who says, it's okay, I'll keep praying. There are times when I'm so down, she's the one who keeps me up. There are times when she's so down, I'm the one who comes along and says, let's keep going, partner. Let's keep going. Let's keep going, Amen. And it's the same thing. We come together as a church. Sometimes, you know, when, when I remember joking with somebody and saying, I'm, I'm, I'm calling you because I was just checking on how you're doing. And someone says, Yabusa. You know, we joke about it because we are so cautious that if the pastor calls you or visits you, you are a weak Christian. But the truth is, if you are weak, that's okay because you need somebody to say, let's keep going. What's wrong with that? So, but we're talking about marriage. You get a lot more done when you're together. You get a lot more done. I, I, I remember I spoke about one times one equals one. But then one times one, I put that in parentheses and to the power X, where X is a, is a value you want to, it, it's a whole lot more. You get a whole lot more done. See, there again, if maths is attesting to what the word of God says. So you promote oneness in marriage because it brings humility. And who doesn't want to be with humble people? You tell me. Have you ever been with a really proud person? How long do you want to be with them after that? It's everywhere. It's everywhere. There are some, I've, I, I, I love soccer. So sometimes somebody scores a goal. The first thing they do I'm, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one. There are some, some really good players. They score a goal. Most of the time, they go to the one who did the assist. Most of the times, they'll, they'll pick them out in the crowd and run to them. That's the first person to celebrate with. That's humility. You are saying, without me, I wouldn't have done this. Without you, I wouldn't have done this. It's everywhere. It's a testimony. It speaks to people. Your humility. Training wheels are in marriage. Secondly, you get a lot more done than you should have done it. You've gone, gone it alone. Number three, you have companionship and help. I alluded to that. Verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 4 says, If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But Peter, the man who falls and has no one to help him up. You fall and there's no one to help you up? Really begin to think your teamwork. 
Verse 11. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Oh, I'll get a hot water bottle. Yeah, this was a different kind of warmth. Companionship. Sometimes, I'll speak for the husbands here. Sometimes all a husband needs to hear is, honey, have a great day. That guy will take the whole world against him just because of those words. Wives, did you hear me? They did a research in Germany. They discovered that the husbands who leave home on Monday morning, by the way, is usually when most heart attacks happen. <laughs> because people are going back to jobs they hate. It's very interesting what, what research is coming up with. But in Germany, they did a specific study. They told certain wives to say, the, 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 the group they had, they had a control group, and they had, this one group, they told the wives, every morning, give your husband a passionate kiss as he leaves home. They did that for, was it two weeks or something? And they did a survey of the whole group, and they discovered the guys who got kissed Monday morning enjoyed their week. Done on Monday only. The whole week. The guys are walking on air. <laughs> Just to know I have a companion. It's, it's as simple as that. Husband, let me challenge you. Every day. Every day. Just give your wife one hour. Just one hour. Let her run the agenda. Just let, just let her talk what she wants to talk. Or she doesn't want to talk. Ask me on Sunday. So what next? We've talked about the purpose of marriage. Glorifying God. Raising godly children. And companionship. We have talked about why we should be promoting um, oneness in marriage. It teaches you humility. Humility speaks to other people. You get a lot more done than when you're doing it alone. You have companionship and help in whatever it is that you are doing. You might think, for example, uh, I'll, pick on, uh, I'll pick on Brother Martin. So Brother Martin does, does uh, he, he hosts meetings. He's the MC. And so on. You think that his success has nothing to do with Sister May. But I can guarantee you, if things are not well at home, Brother Martin's emceeing will be affected. Because that's, that's a unit. If things are not well between us, even my preaching here would be dry. You would pick it. You say, there's something about pastor today. You think being an engineer has nothing to do with her? Ah, brother. Let's, let's put all we can in marriages. Amen? So, what next as we close? Single people, prepare for marriage. It's as simple as that. Study the word of God. Read the right books. Have mature, spirit-filled mentors prepare you for marriage. And you promote it. 
Because sometimes, especially with these trends these days, no, I don't think I need a man, you know, all my girlfriends, they're all I need. And so, no, that's a lie. It will be too late before you realize, oh, I wasted my time. Should have been hitched by now. How long did it take you to be in the job that you are? What kind of preparation you made? You went to probably preschool. Then you did about eight years of primary school. Then four years of secondary school. Then another four years of being in university. And then you got the job where you're going to be for the next 20 years. They will retire you at 60. So that's, that's 8 plus 4, 12 plus 4, 16 16 years to work for 20 years and to be told you're redundant after that. Now, when, when you marry, you, you make vows for life. How long should you be preparing? Start. Read books about parenting. Read books. Listen to good programs. Study the word of God. Married people, go back to what we've talked about today. The purposes of marriage and why we should be promoting marriage. And simply begin to implement it. Amen? Sometimes we come together as couples and so on. Come. Iron sharpens. Iron. It's for our own good. And for those who have been divorced or separated, I want you to know there is hope. The grace of the Lord abounds as you move in this difficult place you find yourself in. My plea for you is that you stand by what the word of God teaches and continue to encourage others in marriage the godly way. Continue to encourage your children in marriage the godly way. There are challenges for single parents because, you know, there's no father in the home, maybe. Church is a great place to start. Amen? Or there's no man. Exactly. There's, there's no man or there, there's no mother, there's no father. Either way, church is a very good place to start. Hook up with a family. Get your children there. Amen? Expose them to what it is like. It hasn't worked well for you. But at least for them, give them a chance. Give them that exposure. Let them see something they, they will expire, uh, aspire to. We cannot discuss much here because every situation is different. But all that we have discussed comes down to one issue. Heaven. Everything comes down to one issue, heaven. Your relationship with Jesus Christ is key. If you do not know God personally, you will struggle with issues of pride in your marriage, either now or the marriage you're going to be in if you're single. All that I've spoken about will not be possible for you to implement if you do not know Christ because you do not have the ability to carry out what he asks you to do. The Holy Spirit is not with you to empower you to be loving to your wife or to be submissive to your husband. You will know what to do, but you don't have the power thereof. So, the first step, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, then I want to challenge you to make that decision. Because apart from Christ, it will not work, no matter how good it looks on the outside. In this ministry, 
when you're dealing with, with, with marriages, one thing comes up time and time again. Without Christ, you're missing out a lot. And without Christ, the things that you need to do to work on your marriage or to improve your marriage, you will not be able to because you don't have Christ who will enable you to do those things. So that's the first place to start. Accept Jesus in your life. Accept that you're a sinner and you're not able to do these things on your own. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Amen? Confess that he is Lord. Call upon his name and you'll be saved. And when you are saved, you are forgiven of your sin. God gives you his Holy Spirit to enable you to carry out his will. You've got a better chance in marriage when you have done that. Amen? So, let's take the example of humility. It's hard to be humble as a Christian to begin with. What more with when you do not have Christ? But I want you to know that if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Romans chapter 9 verse 9, chapter 10 verse 9 and 10. Hallelujah. That's the beginning point. We all began there in one way or another. You can do this through prayer, and I'll lead you in it. But you need to make that public commitment and say, Jesus, here I am. I'm asking you to come in my life. Change me. Empower me for right living. Hallelujah. If you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you have not been giving him room to work into your life, in your life, you need to confess and say, Lord, I'm starting now. I'm giving you full reign in my life. Prepare me for marriage. Prepare me to help others prepare for marriage. Work in me so that I'll be able to work on my marriage. That's not going to happen if Christ is not at the center of it. It will fall flat. Things may work well for a bit, but it will come back and fall flat. And eventually, you give up. So, I want to ask, is there anyone who wants to receive Christ? You do not know the Lord as Savior. You do not know Jesus as Savior and Lord. Are you there? I want you to slip up your hand. It's a public commitment not to shame you, but you make that commitment publicly. Jesus says, when I come back, I'll also acknowledge you publicly. Is there anyone? No. All right. I would like us to pray for ourselves. So we're going to stand now. I just want you to pray and say, Lord God, help me.
to be the kind of person you want me to be as a person. You pray what I'm praying right now. Help me to be the kind of person you want me to be. Help me, oh God, in my relationship. If you're married, I want you to mention whether it is your wife or your husband. If you're separated, I want you to, to pray what God is bringing on your heart. Maybe it is, it is forgiveness, whatever it is. I, I just want you to say and say, Lord God, here I am. You know where I am. I am asking you, oh God, that you forgive me. If it was the other person, you forgive them. I want you to pray for your relationship with the children and say, Lord, these children you have given me, help me to raise them for you. It doesn't make sense for me to have children whom I will send to hell, but Lord, you have given me the mandate to train them up in godly ways, that there will be a testimony of your goodness and your grace in the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, Father, I pray even for myself, oh God, in my marriage as a parent, oh God, as a leader, I am praying, oh God, that you help me, oh God, to have the spirit of Christ in abundance, oh Lord, and promote marriage because I understand that through marriage, oh God, you want us to glorify you. Through marriage, you want people to come to, to Christ, to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, that where Christ is right now, we are going to be there as well. In Jesus' mighty name, help us, have, Lord, to have open homes, O oh Lord, where people will find salvation in Christ. Help us, O oh Lord, to work on promoting our companionships through one oneness, O oh God, as, 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 married, as, as married people. Lord, for those who are yet to be married, we pray that you continue to guide them, O oh Lord. For those, O oh Lord, where things have not worked out well, we continue to pray your grace, O oh Lord. We pray that you remember them, even as they parent, O oh God. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that you shall step in with the right people, O oh God, to give the right support, even as a church, O oh God. In the mighty name of Jesus, God, we pray. Help us to promote oneness in marriage because only by doing that we understand that your image, O oh God, is reflected in us. We understand, O oh God, that glory is, is shown, O oh Lord. Your glory is shown to everybody else. We understand, O oh God, that when our marriages are better, O oh God, then a whole lot of other things begin to get better. We pray for our children, O oh God. We pray that you help them, O oh God, to begin to aspire to marriage the godly way. We block out, O oh God, every other false teaching about marriage marriage in Jesus name that is not in accordance with the word of God. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, O oh Lord God, that you and you alone, your word is what is going to be preeminent in our lives, in our families, in our marriages, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray. Amen and amen. Let's take our seats. Anyone who's brought a tithe? Slip up that envelope. All right. Thank you. All right. We are going to pray. Father, thank you for our brothers and sisters who have brought the tithe in obedience to your word. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ that you shall continue to bless them in accordance with your word, O oh God. Bless them so that even their barns will be so full with the blessing from you.
rebuke the devourers of God in their lives in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Father, we want to thank you, O Lord, for the obedience to your word. We thank you for what they are planting, O God, that harvest shall meet with divine harvest in their lives. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, we pray. And also for the offerings, O Lord, that will be given in this room, we pray, O God, your blessing upon them as they do the work of ministry. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, O God, we have prayed. Amen. Amen. Worship team uh, will minister to us in song as we give. Amen. <laughs>